Well, I have over the years found myself many times pleading with God, just speak to me. Just say something, tell me. I've sat with many of you who've expressed really the, a similar sentiment. God, just show me, tell me, speak to me. If you think about our, our mission in following Christ, that hearing what, what God has to say, the one that we're following could be the, you know, the most important thing in our life. I don't know if you would recall this, it reaches back a bit, but that 1997 movie, Jodie Foster, uh, called Contact. Um, it's, it's a movie about a young lady, her, her name is Ellie Arroway, and, and she grew up with a fascination because of her father of outer space and, and life beyond the planet Earth. Um, and there's a, there's a scene at the beginning of the movie when she is in this area, and it's a, it's a real place in um, uh, Socorro, New Mexico called the Very Large Array. Now that's a government name for a place, isn't it? The Very Large Array, that's what it is because it's an array of antenna. Um, there's 27 antennas spread out over this area. And when they, when they turn and they can be configured, it, it, it's the same as if you had, a, had an, an antenna listening to the sky that was 20 miles across. And it's real. I mean, it's in operation today. And, you know, there's defense purposes for it, but there's also, they're also listening for, you know, life, a voice from beyond. Uh, there's a scene at the beginning when she's sitting on her car and um, these antennae are around her just moving and humming and she's got her headphones on and uh, she's listening to silence and she's given her whole life to listening to hearing and she's never heard a thing. So it's always been silence. And then you hear with her this kind of a whirring sound. It's like a, it sounds like a dishwasher, you know, hitting the, the water, hitting the thing. It's kind of like, and the camera comes right in on her eyes. I think she's an amazing actress and everything's in her eyes. Like you see life just pass before her in that moment. She's heard from something beyond. And from that moment on, uh, the, and, you know, the movie unfolds, it's a science fiction movie, but uh, she's never the same. Um, as we step into a six week study in the Psalms, so we're taking six Psalms that we will be exploring. Um, it's all about hearing God. This is what the Psalms are. It's the, they hear God and they respond. It's all about contact, if you will, but not, not from, you know, extraterrestrial beings that are way, way beyond. It's not science fiction, but hearing from the one who created the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. It's hearing from our God. In the movie, you know, she hears this noise and of course then the movie takes off and a, a lot happens around the world, but that pales in comparison to you and I hearing what David heard and then responding as he responded. And we see this in Psalm 
19. If you're not there, go ahead and turn to Psalm 19. Uh, you know, the Psalms, it's the longest book in the Bible, the largest book, 150 poems. It'd be appropriate to, to go ahead and say 150 uh, lyrics, song lyrics of um, the, the nation of Israel used in their worship, in their tabernacle worship. They continue to sing them today. When you came in, we, we asked everyone to pick up a book. It's called Morning, Noon, and Night. If you don't have one, go ahead and slip. It's, it's one per family is, is how we had to do these. Um, go ahead and get that because uh, we'll be using this six times in the six Sundays that we are in our study. Uh, this is a devotion, spiritual exercises for praying the Psalms written by our very own Rob Howard who's one of our executive pastors. And uh, this is actually Rob's second book. His first one on prayer is phenomenal. And what Rob has done is he's taken 31 Psalms and then he's, he's given us some exercises to walk through that engage us in the Psalm, that put us in the Psalmist shoes and that bring, bring, take our circumstances and bring God into that circumstance. Now, when we go to our application, which we always do, you know, we're gonna teach a message and we're gonna say, now, what do I do with this? How does this apply to my life? We're gonna go to this book. And that's why I want every, every family to have one. Now we'll put the application on the screen as well. But there's another reason, and that, and that would be this. Um, every time we teach the Bible, and we have this in mind, but in particular, we're thinking of this related to the Psalms. I'll say this later, there's nothing more significant for your life than your time in the Bible. That's, that's, where it, that's where it's at, in your time in the Word. And so we wanted to put this in your hands because we'll do six of these, and I don't expect everyone will do this, but if, if a handful of you find that Rob's work enables you to explore the Psalms in a way you never have, hallelujah. If it moves a handful of you to go, I, I, need, to be, I need to take more seriously my time in the Word, and here's a way I can do it, because the questions he asks, they're applicable across the board when you're reading your Bible. So, the, so we definitely have a, have a motive in you having that resource. And I'll, I'll be calling on it or I'll pull it out here when we get uh, to the end of our Psalm. Psalm 19, the Psalms are really, can be really hard to teach you all because they're poems, they're lyrics. And sometimes you're not sure which comes first and which comes second. But this Psalm, Psalm 19, breaks into three pretty distinct uh, passages, if you will. And so I'll show it to you and then we're gonna walk through it. Psalm 19 breaks out like this. Verses one through seven, God revealed in the sky. And then eight through 11 is God revealed in the scripture. And then 12 to 14 is God revealed, I just put it this way, in the saint, in, in, in the worshiper. So I'll mention this as we go through. We're gonna start with God revealed in the sky. Verses one through seven, Psalm 19, God's word to us today. Follow along in your Bibles. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. 
In them, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. We're gonna take a bit of a theological medium dive this morning. We're gonna start here, verses one through seven is what theologians call general revelation. General revelation. And that is that God, whom we could not know unless he revealed himself to us, in other words, we can't discover him. He's gotta make himself known. General revelation is God making himself known through the created world order, through creation and all that is in it. Before you got up this morning, uh, before all of us stood in this room and looked at those songs and we sang that worship, proclaiming God's goodness, the heavens have been declaring his goodness while you were asleep. The heavens will declare his goodness continually. The heavens have been praising God and won't stop from the moment they were created. Whether night or day, the sky is speaking. And when he talks about the sun making its course and it says no, nothing's hidden from its heat, there's no, no one escapes what the sky is saying about God. Now it says the glory of God. And when we say the glory of God, um, it, the, the idea that, that we think of and that the Hebrew mind thought of is, is the weight of God. Not, not like how much does he weigh in pounds. It means the weight of his of his essence, the weight of his holiness, the weight of his power, the weight of his nature and character. Now, obviously it's an infinite concept. And so the Bible often when it speaks of God's glory, it has to use a concept you and I know, or we, we can't quite get it. And, and often it will use the picture of light. So, right, when we think of God's glory, you think of the brilliance that you can't see exactly. And even that doesn't get it. But light often representing his glory. Uh, we, we, we can't see his glory, you all, unfiltered glory and live. You, you, would, you would evaporate, you know, you can't live. In our fallenness, we'll see it one day when Christ returns or we go to be with him. But God chooses to show us his glory in ways that we get to actually see it and live and still live. All we have to do, and I'm just taking Psalm 19, there's other things, but let's stick with Psalm 19. All we have to do in David's words is look up. I mean, David is just saying, I mean, look, look up. And when you look up, you look up into the sky, and he's talking about the skies that we see. We look up and they're, they're declaring God's glory. They're proclaiming all of God's handiwork. Now, when David looked up, he noticed the biggest object that he could see in the sky, right? And what does he go to? The sun. And, and when he looked up, he, he, he said, the, the, the sun, it, it starts in the east and its course runs across the sky to the west. And he said, that, 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 that bright light, it's like a bride 
bridegroom going for his bride, which would be in a Hebrew mind, if it was your wedding day, men, you would get up and man, it was your wedding day, you would go across the village with vigor to get your bride with joy. Or he says, the sun, as it crosses the sky, it's like a strong man who runs, <coughs> excuse me, with joy purposeful, intentional, full of joy and gladness. Hey, pictures the sun as it moves across the sky like that. For the ancients, they looked up into the sky and, and there was in their minds, you know, there's the earth that we're standing on and then there's this space that goes up and they, they pictured a tent, they pictured a firmament, Genesis 1, that's above. And so from between the earth and, and the firmament that's above in this big space right here, God puts the sun and he puts the stars and he puts the moon. Now, we can see, you know, now we see even beyond what David could see, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. He says the sky is pouring out speech. It's a constant stream of, it's this picture of a gurgling stream. It's just gushing out God's glory and proclaiming his handiwork. It was constant, day to day, night to night. It, it never ends, you all. It's limitless, constant, limitless, gushing forth. And it was all in, it's all encompassing. The sky right now, as I'm talking, is proclaiming the handiwork of God. Now, what's interesting is there's a bit of a paradox. Now, different translations have verse three differently, but I think ESV gets it right. <clears throat> Notice this, it's the sky is speaking, but it, it, there are no words. Verse three, there is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The, the, the voice is, you don't hear the voice. And yet their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. So, so the sky, let's just stay with the sky because it, it includes all of creation, but he's speaking sky. The sky is a wordless proclamation of God's glory. It's an inaudible voice. And you go, Lloyd, that's an oxymoron. I know. <laughs> it is, isn't it? How does something with no audible voice speak? Have you ever looked at someone and you felt She's gorgeous. He's handsome. No words spoken, just inaudible speech. Have you ever stood before a piece of art, a painting that says nothing but says so much? You ever been in a plane? This is a thought I had because I, I, I do this when I fly. Sometimes I'll pick out the window and you see the curvature of the earth. It, you're just seeing the curvature of the earth and it's, it's saying to you, you are so tiny, you are so little. You know, just things like that. I'm gonna show you a photograph in a moment. It will not make one peeper sound. I want you to just look at it. And then I, I want you to let it speak to you. When David looked up into the sky, you know, he could see the stars and the, the, the moon and, and of course the sun, Right? But, you know, we can see a lot farther today than David ever saw. 
Here's what's up there right now. Here's a picture of a galaxy. I love the name of this galaxy. It's called the evil eye. 17 million miles, 17 million light years away from us. You know, strangely, all this was discovered in 1779. How about that? Of course, he couldn't see it like we see it now. Do you know the, the width of that galaxy is 7,400 light years? How far light can travel in a year? I mean, the numbers, like, you, they're just mind boggling. You go, man, that's, that's big. Do you know that the width of the Milky Way, the galaxy we're spinning around in, do you know what the width of the Milky Way is? 52,700 light years. Did you know that's only one of a, at least a trillion of those? It's just one. That's real, okay? It's not a painting, that, that's real, that's up there, out there. Now just looking at that, just a few of you, shout it so I can hear you. What do you feel? What do you see? How, what's that saying to you? There's no wrong answer. What's it say to you? What's your response to it? Wow. 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 Space. Say it again. Space. Space. Cool. cool. <laughs> awesome. Not man-made. Now, again, it's, it doesn't speak. See, this is the part. There's no voice. There's no audible sound, but it speaks. Perhaps an application just from this first part of the text would be this. And actually, uh, I was sitting with uh, Jeremy Dibler and, and, and he said this to me. I thought, yeah, that's really good. He said, you know, maybe we need to put away our phones and look up at the sky more. And actually, it's funny because I'm teaching this and so that's what I did this week. You know, of course, I'm teaching it. I'm going, I just find myself walking. If I'm walking, I walk around the campus and pray. I just, I just would stop at a couple moments and I would just look up and go, what are you saying? And the heavens, 24-7, 365, are declaring God's handiwork and his glory. God revealed in the sky. Now God revealed in the scripture. Let's get to the next section. Verse seven begins, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping them, there is great reward. Theology lesson number two. Verses one through seven we call general revelation. Verses eight through 11, or, or one through six, what is the general? Seven through 11, theologians call special revelation. 
So this is what you learn in seminary. This, and you learn to study, study theology. General revelation, creation, special revelation is the scripture. Special revelation is that which God inspired and preserved in the 66 books we have, we call the Bible, God's word. Now, this is really important, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. General revelation makes every human being accountable to God. General revelation makes every human being accountable to God. Listen to this from Paul, Romans 1, this is verse 17 to 20. I'm doing the New Living Translation just to help a little more easy to grasp. He's speaking of the gospel and he says, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Now, I wanna stop there for a minute. What Paul says is every human being who has ever been born knows the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Creation is God's apologetic, not just that he exists, but to actually know of his eternal power and his divine nature. No one can plead innocence. On the day of judgment, on the day when someone stands before Almighty God, which we believe the Bible teaches, no one can say, I, I didn't know you. And I don't mean to make, make light of this at all, but it, it's God could say, did you ever see a plant? Did you ever see, just what I'm saying, creation holds every human being accountable before God. That's a weighty thought. But general revelation, okay, will not save you. It's not enough to, 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 to put you in a right standing with God. No, it requires special revelation. So that requires that, that requires knowing the story of the scripture and what God has spoken, that from the very beginning, humanity was created in relationship with God, broke that through the fall. And then God said, I'm gonna bring you back to myself, but it's gonna come at great cost. And it came at the cost of his son. And that the story of the Bible is that God's gonna bring back humanity to himself through the life, death, and resurrection of his son. Jesus lived the life we couldn't, a perfect life. He died the death we deserved, right? He died on the cross, but he had no sin. He took our sin. He was buried and he rose again. And Jesus said, if you'll put your trust in me, then your sins are forgiven. You're clothed in my righteousness. You don't get that by looking at the stars or looking at creation or watching nature or Nova, which I do watch. You know, it's just a fascinating world we live in. No, that requires special revelation. 
So the question is, why is it that the majority of humanity will look at creation and ignore God? Well, Paul answers the question. I didn't give this to you. I'm giving it to you now. I went to verse 20. Let me give you verse 21 of Romans chapter one. Paul writes, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their mind, their minds became dark and confused. Now this is, this is deep, y'all. This is, and it's relevant. Every person is accountable to God simply based on creation. That creation is enough, according to Paul, according to God, to lead a person to that place where they would come to the scripture and come to salvation in Christ. But the majority of humanity, ourselves included, will look at creation and go, it's been here a long time. Let's figure out how long, a couple, many, many billions of years and how did life start? And you know, and I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm just saying that we'll go to that and miss God completely. So you ask the question, okay, Lloyd, then why, I'm gonna ask you, why, do, why did you look at creation and eventually come to a place where you've put your trust in Christ? Are you smarter than everyone else? Am I? Pure grace, pure grace. The grace and goodness of God to me, to you, to open my eyes, to go, I, I think there's more to this creation and, and I come to faith in Jesus. Pure grace, God in his mercy and kindness, that we would take no credit, that we would fall on our faces and say, thank you God for opening my eyes to believe and to see. Well, David, of course, he's, he's regenerate. He's, he's put his faith in Christ. So that's why there's this really sharp turn because he goes from creation is declaring the glory of God and then boom, he comes right to the, suddenly he's in the scripture, the Torah. When he says that the law of the Lord, we seek the law of the Lord, please understand not the 10 commandments per se, but the instructions of God, all the instructions of God he speaks of these as being perfect, reviving the soul. I'm gonna hit these pretty quick. Um, they're, they're not, there's no secrets in them or anything. I don't think it's super hard to grasp. Um, but David's just a, a, a writer who's repeating and making synonymous statements just to help build this fuller picture of the beauty of God's special revelation. So all the scripture is perfect, revives the soul. It brings life to the soul. The testimony of God is sure. The testimony, what God says about something, when God testifies about, says something about something, you can know this, it's sure, it's reliable. Making wise the simple. Uh, it, it's making, you know, wisdom is this word applied to everyday life. And that's what this word does. It makes the what makes, turns 
the simple person into a wise person. The precepts of the Lord are right. Precepts are directions. They conform with justice and reality and morality. They're right. They rejoice the heart that speaks of the gladness of the inner man. It's, it's the words of God that revive our hearts. Thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices are inner man. The commandments, these orders of the Lord are pure. That is, they're without fault. And they enlighten the eyes. I, this is what, these words open our eyes to, to, to spiritual insight. The fear of the Lord, and this is a, it's a twist here because you go, wait, the fear of the Lord, that, that's a response. When, when we see the word of God, we feel the fear of the Lord within us. It produces in us this reverence that is clean, no moral impurity endures forever. The rules, the judgments of God's judgments on matters, the rules of God, they're true, they're righteous altogether. Then, then this beautiful statement of value, verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. The most valuable commodity in, in, in David's day was gold. And he says, this word is more valuable than gold. The sweetest taste of pleasure for David was honey. And David says, this word is sweeter than honey. Then verse 11, moreover by them is your servant warned and keeping them there is great reward. In a world where there's danger, it's this word that keeps us on a path that protects us from evil and harm and that gives us beyond anything we could ever gain for ourselves. See, he says the scriptures are true and trustworthy. The scriptures alone is, that's what transform guides and guards your steps to bring your heart what it most longs for. Y'all, we're a Bible church. And, and I always say this, I was saying this to a couple after the last service, I said there are so many good churches in this community. Brentwood Baptist right across the corner. There's just many good churches. Now for, for us, you know, we have our own uniqueness or whatever and ours in one way would be we're a Bible church and we, we, we're not ever gonna make this an idol of this, but, but we are gonna submit ourselves to it. We are gonna teach it as we seek to teach it expositionally. We're gonna try and go through the breadth of the Bible and this gets to why we actually gave you this book because we want you to go beyond the 32 minutes that Robert I would teach and begin to use tools that help you make the Bible, the word of God, integral and essential to your everyday life. It's like I wanna plead with you to go there, but I can't, this is the Holy Spirit's work in you. I haven't always loved the, can I say this? I haven't always loved being in the Bible, okay? Even when I was in full-time ministry years ago. Just, so don't, don't hear me up here going, you know, like I've always been that way. No, I haven't. It's the work of God in my own life over time that would move me to a place where I do cherish my time in this word. We'd certainly pray it would be true for you. You know, I'm saying this to not shame anyone. So, so this, is, this is to help us face reality. The value of something 
is largely determined by the attention we give it and the time we give it. That, that, how valuable is this? Well, how much attention do I give to it and how much of my time? You see what I'm saying? That's the value of something. And I'm only exhorting you this morning, and may I say this? David exhorts us. This word is the most valuable thing in your world. God revealed in the sky, God revealed in the scripture, it leads to God revealed in the saint. God revealed in the saint. Look at the last few, two verses. David says, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of transgression. I've circled in my Bible this repetition of words that are all saying the same thing. Errors, faults, sins, transgressions. It's like the, the heavens are singing. The scripture's amazing. And I'm a mess. Oh my gosh. I'm, I got sin. You see how this progresses. Feels like an emotional nosedive, but it's far from it. It's what happens when we understand and we hear the sky speak and we hear the scripture speak. Lisa and I have been doing some, some renovations in, in a couple of our bathrooms, not the whole thing, but just certain things that we've had to change or whatever. We pulled the mirrors off the wall. You know, we got these bathrooms painted. Our, you know, these are original, it's, it's original bathroom stuff. Who knew, okay, who knew that human beings have apparently grown six inches taller since the early 80s? Because the counter's in the bathroom. My kids come home and they go, why are your counters so low? I go, my counters are fine. They go, oh my gosh, Dad, they're so low. Then you bring someone in who knows and they say, you need to raise those. You know, I go, okay, we'll raise them. So we raise those, you know, we pull the mirrors off the wall and um, the sink and everything's back in, but we still have no mirror. And so I went to one of my girls' closets and pulled out um, a, a makeup mirror. And, uh, you know, ladies know, know what these are. You know, it's a little, little mirror and it's got the fluorescent light around it. I mean, it'll light you up like you're under surgery, you know. And then it's got the circus mirror on it. So when you look at it, you look at it and your eyes this big. One eye's like, golly. I mean, oh my gosh, you see every flaw. You know, I, got, I got bushes growing out of my nose, you know, when I look at that mirror. It's just like, ugh. Lisa's always saying, trim your nose hairs. So um, when you... Look up and hear the, the sky declaring God's glory. And, and it moves you to the word and the preciousness of the word and the work of the word. Oh my gosh. You start to see yourself and see everything. Beyond yourself, you see your heart. And when you see your heart, in our fallenness, we go, oh God, this presumptuous sin in me. I got the wrong motives. And hear me on this. This is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. David knows that life, life is found in, not just in a relationship with God, but in fellowship with God, in intimacy with God. And what keeps us from intimacy with God is gonna be our fallenness and our sin. So the beauty of the word is it shows that to us and then we can confess our sins. You see, John says, we confess our sins. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins in Christ and our relation, our, our intimacy, not relationship, but our fellowship with God is restored. So you see how that works. It leads, it leads to God's revelation in the saint, a saint prostrate before your heavenly father. 
crying out for mercy and receiving that mercy, which brings us to our morning, noon, and night. And, and the idea, you know, with, with the title being that it's, it's walking with God morning, noon, and not 24 seven in relationship and conversation with him. And I want you to take, if you have, if you have a booklet, you have one for family, um, somebody turn to page 40. I'm gonna put the section on the screen that I want you to consider. And here's where we're gonna go with, with this text. Now I'm gonna ask you to do something and the doing will be thinking, processing. And I want you to note question two under before you pray that Rob gives us, how do you experience God through creation? We're just gonna pick one part of this. What beauty are you drawn to? And how might that declare God's glory or remind you of God? Now, this is something I don't want you to go, you know, I'm gonna do that this afternoon. No, I, I want, I'm asking you, do it right now. Do it right now. Ask the Spirit to show you. Just think about creation. What, what beauty are you drawn to? And how does that beauty reflect God himself? And then talk to God about it. I'll give you a moment to do that now. I didn't do this first service, but I'm gonna do it on this one with, with, with y'all. Somebody tell me what, 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 you, what you thought of and how it showed God's glory. You can say it and I'll repeat it so everyone can hear it, but somebody brave enough to say, you know, this is how I see creation and it speaks to God in this way. Anybody? Somebody raise their hand. Well, wait, wait, okay, hold on, I'll get you. I love photography. Love photography. She loves photography and she's got a close-up of a cicada, which would make me throw up. <laughs> but for her, the lines in that cicada, that nuisance of a bug, yes, I get it. Amy, it's, it's beautiful. Someone else started to say something and I cut them off. The Who, beach. The beach. Well, uh, how many how, like the beach as their happy place? And my wife would raise her hand. Yeah. But what about the beach? What is it, Matt? You know, The, the, the sand, the smell, the wind, the power of the white water. Is this. Now, I want you to think about this. When we sang that song about, um, you know, we picked the oldie, but Goldie on Indescribable, right? But uh, it, it has that line in there, who, God who thought up the sun. Why is that? You see what I'm saying? There's nothing comes from nothing. We believe in a creator who created the cicada and the beach and everything in between that declares his great glory. Speaking of great glory, the scripture says this in Colossians, speaking of Jesus Christ, 
Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him, Jesus, and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. May I say, general revelation, special revelation, shines the light on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's why I love that we come to the table each week and I'll invite you to do that now. Take the bread and the cup and take the top off that and get the bread in your hand. Take the top off the cup that we might receive that in a moment. If you don't have it, step out and grab it. Welcome to do that. I'm gonna invite you to stand as well. Let's stand together. We hold this wafer bread, we hold this cup, both symbolic of Jesus, the, his life, his work, his person. The, body representing, the bread representing his body, the cup, his blood. And when you think of blood, you think of life, his life poured out, life is in the blood. Lord Jesus, we hold this weekly. We come to this table with great gratitude. You've not left us without a sign, a symbol, a reminder of who you are, of all you've done and all you will do and all you are doing. For your body that was broken on our behalf, Jesus, we exalt you, we say thank you. Receive the bread. for the cup that represents your life, your blood poured out. Not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of the Son of God, pure and blameless. The only blood that could cleanse us from all sin and wash us as white as snow at great cost. In taking this table, we proclaim not just that you did this for us historically, but there's a day that you're coming back to set all things right, Jesus. All of creation points to you. All of the scripture points to you. You're worthy of all. We receive this cup with gratitude. Receive the cup. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Y'all, we don't need a very large array of antennae to point to the sky that we might hear from our God. Uh, we only need to look up. Just look up all week. Watch where you're walking, but look up, right? The sky's proclaiming his handiwork and glory. And then I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna just for reminders, I'm gonna say, you look up, and then I'm gonna say, and, and would you pick up? this word and read it, just pick it up. It's living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And then I will say this and we'll do this now. We look up, we pick up and then bow down. 
a lifestyle of worship, prostrate before our great God. We're gonna join David uh, in a prayer. We've already sung this song, but it was brand new. And now we've looked at the beauty of his word, been reminded from uh, Lindsay of Psalm 1, the beauty of God's word. Let this now be not just our song, but truly a prayer from the heart.